0: How's it going? We are hurtling past spring and summer is dangerously close. Way too close. I don't know how to fully feel about any of it. I don't think I'm ready for summer. You know, it's been about 15 months since America finally admitted there was a major health crisis and the government decided to uh, send everybody into lockdown. And, you know, a lot of people were forced to stay home. And while they were at home, they decided to try to make the best of the situation. You're trying to stay as positive as possible. But soon my social media was flooded with art projects and clothes people were making and room renovations and bread. (laughs) Lots and lots of bread. So much so that yeast became a hot commodity. It was sold out everywhere, in the stores, on the grocery apps, in the instant delivery apps. No one could find yeast anywhere. Not a day went by that I didn't see someone's sourdough starter experiment come across my Instagram stories. Even Jake Gyllenhaal and Stephen Colbert talked about their bread frustrations during a socially distant Zoom interview where Jake was looking Delicious. Okay. And the thing is, baking bread is a great skill to have, even when you're not performing productivity during a pandemic. Homemade bread is delicious. I love it. I want all of it. And yet, I know my baking limits. Making bread from scratch is not my ministry. But I have a really good friend, someone I think many of you may know, who is now queen of the loaf. Today, I'm talking with the fantastic, the beautiful, the talented and amazing Bim Edoinmi, my former co-host of the awesome show Thirst Aid Kit, all about her experience of learning how to bake bread. Now, this won't be your typical conversation about kneading dough. Bim helps me realize that learning this kind of skill is life affirming in more ways than one. What happens when you decide to follow a trend and find lasting joy? And will this skill help in a zombie apocalypse? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, a secure online counseling service. BetterHelp connects you with licensed counselors through their secure app, letting you message with your therapist and schedule live phone or video sessions. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can even search for counselors by area of expertise, which may not be locally available. When you contact your counselor, you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So try it today. This Is Good For You listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash thisisgood. Better H-E-L-P com/this is good for 10% off your first month. This podcast is sponsored by Cornbread Hemp, a CBD company out of Kentucky. Cornbread Hemp believes that cannabis is the world's most important natural remedy. That's why their entire selection of USDA organic hemp products are derived from naturally sun-grown Kentucky hemp flowers. Shop their number one rated USDA organic full-spectrum CBD oils, CBD creams, and much more. Most products are vegan-friendly, including the CBD oils and gummies, and all purchases are covered by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee. Cornbread hemp is also family-owned and crowdfunded, so you know who's making their quality CBD products. Go to cornbreadhemp.com and use code This Is Good for 25% off your order. That's cornbreadhemp.com and use code This Is Good for 25% off your order. You have been baking bread. I have been baking bread.
1: <laughs> How and why? <laughs> like <laughs> Wow. The <'Cause> judgment I, <laughs> in the air. How? More importantly, why? No, because it seems like for a stretch
0: in this last year or so of everything, as I wave my hands vaguely, people have just been like, you know what? I'm going to use up every ounce of yeast in the tri-state area and make (laughs) some bread (laughs) yeah and I could not join that bandwagon so tell me about baking bread
1: okay so baking bread for me comes down to a very important thing which is I love to eat bread every time I talk to people and they're kind of like oh I've cut out carbs or you know like I really reduce my bread I'm like huh That seems like a neat trick that I will never master and also don't want to master. Bread is delicious. When I think about bread, I think about how old it is. Mm -hmm. Bread is like the most human food. Like it's in almost every ancient text. There is an example of somebody baking bread, like grinding some kind of grain, milling some kind of whatever the fuck. Someone's like fire, water, yeast, heat, like when I think about the fact that yeast just is in the air, I'm just like, yeah, right. That to me feels like a divine sort of um, encouragement. Make some bread. You don't even need, sh- you need flour, you need water, you need air. And the yeast will find its way. And then bread comes together. And that to me is in a very romantic, poetic kind of way. I'm like, man, bread survives. Bread It prevails, it lives on. And long after we've, you know, made ourselves extinct and probably taken most of the planet with us, I imagine whatever comes next will be baking bread or some form of bread. So in that kind of mystical sort of wishy-washy hippy-dippy kind of like, oh my God, I love bread. It's so ancient. There's that. And then there's the other fact, which is that I love to eat bread. I will eat bread in any situation. I will eat bread on a bus. I will eat it on the cuss, whatever the fuck that that rhyme is. I will eat bread at any point during the day. I don't believe in that thing of like, oh, I don't eat after six. I'm like, wow, that's so sad for you. Eat some bread and see how you feel. I love it with butter. I love it with jam. I love it with marmalade. I love it in like Nigerian stews. I love it toasted. I like it plain. I like it if there's seeds or nuts or if it's like whatever. You can put most things on bread and I'll be like, oh yeah, I'll try it. Because it's bread, the base is solid. There's nothing outside of it. So, two things: I am absolutely enchanted by the idea of bread being ancient and that it exists still, and pretty much unchanged. Like we add all sorts of stuff to it, but bread is bread is bread, right? And then the other thing is that I think bread is maybe the most delicious carb. And I, like I said before, I love carbs. I love bread. I love rice. I love potatoes. But bread is—it is maybe. I think it's the thing I eat the most of. Of any food. So it made sense to bake my own bread. I love bread as well. Bread and
0: potatoes. You can have mm-hmm. the rice, but bread. <laughs> <laughs> bread and... I love how much you don't
1: fuck with rice. It's my favorite I thing. I cannot
0: stand rice. But bread. It is so good. And a couple of years ago, I did this tweet where I was like, tell me about the fried bread of your culture. Right. And everybody, like it was almost the same thing over and over, the way fried bread just kept coming up in like these lovely little pockets of meats or vegetables. And I was just like, oh, I love it so much. I think I was thinking about it because I just had a samosa. I think about this shit all the time. You're talking about ancient stuff. I think about who was a person that looked out at, at this field of wheat and was like, huh, if I take a couple of these strands and then just like grind it up, add some water, and then put it over the fire,
1: this is going to be amazing. This will be the start of civilization. I think about that all the time. The things that you can't see an obvious line. Like literally that person kind of like, oh, the birds seem to like it. Maybe we will too. Like there's that. But it's like, I mean, like even the more complex stuff where I'm kind of like, who decided to wrap melon in ham? And was like, "Mm, those two (laughs) taste sensations. (laughs) It's like a weird, like, I always think about that. Like, I understand the science of it. And it's kind of like, well, hot goes with this and sour goes with that. I get all of that. But somebody still had to think about it, try it. And then it became so popular because of one person committing to a thought. And now thousands of years later, we're like, "Mm, have you tried this brand? It's from Lebanon. (laughs) This is how they do it over there. And you're like, wow. So many things get tried and discarded so quick. Like, oh, we're never doing that shit again. And that was what happened for me in 2020 was like the pandemic started. Everybody and their mother was like, I'm going to start my sourdough starter. (laughs) (laughs) And I was at home because I'm a media wanker. And I was like, I too will start my sourdough starter. And it will be different than anybody else's because I am so good at this, you know. And I was not good at it. I just couldn't. My starter just wouldn't get going. It wouldn't start, ironically. And I remember checking, I checked like forums every single day, like almost every hour I I was awake. I'd be like, hey, does it look normal if this happens? Or, oh God, it's doubled overnight. Is that good? Oh, it's good. Okay. But then it stopped doubling. Oh, wait, what? What do I put the discard? Do I throw it away? Well, what do you mean by discard? Like, what is the, what is the levain? Who is, and I was doing all of this, like I was studying, like for the bread Olympics. Yes. (laughs) And I was obsessed. And then very quickly, I was like, this is unsustainable, (laughs) what you're doing right now. You cannot be this stressed out about fucking bread every day when in the shops, there is bread Mm -hmm. that you've been eating all your life and it's fine. Mm -hmm. And so you need to stop. So in a way, I stopped caring so much about the sourdough part of it. And I was like, wait, I love sourdough, by the way. Love it. Mm -hmm. But there are other breads. You don't have to succeed at this specialist Brooklyn media wanker bread. <laughs> like you can just do other bread. So then I began doing other bread and it has been a sort of blissful relationship with baking bread ever since. OK, so what type of bread are you baking now? Right now, my easiest loaf to do is a no need super basic, like the most basic crusty loaf that I just, I prepare the dough, I cover it overnight, I get up in the morning and I bake it. Like sometimes I get up super early, bake it in the morning. And at those moments, I think to myself, should I retire to a fishing village in Scotland and open up my own bakery? (laughs) I couldn't help but wonder... And then five seconds later, I'm like, no, you should not go to Scotland and retire to a small community and bake your bread. First of all, who the fuck do you think you are? (laughs) But in those moments, I think to myself, I'd name the shop Bim the Bakers Um, and (laughs) I would make all sorts of cute, delicious baked goods and literally it lasts five minutes maybe every couple of weeks and um, I'm usually holding a mug of tea like a divorcee in like a HBO prestige drama when I have this I'm just like you know take a sip like should I bim the baker? Yeah. (laughs) and then once I'm done with a cup of tea and I have to shower for work I'm like I'm a radio producer what the fuck no (laughs) then I go to my job (laughs) okay well see this intrigues me because
0: part of why I cannot get it to bread is all of the kneading. I'm looking at these recipes and I've tried it and they're like, oh you gotta knead this bitch for 20 minutes. No, <laughs> I'm not I'm not standing wrestling with this piece of dough this, dough, this bitch. like blob oh of dough <laughs> for 20 minutes. And even I have a um a stand mixer that has the little hook for bread kneading. But I'm too fucking lazy even to bring that out and like set it up because obviously I'm in New York and Counter space is nil So I'm like I don't feel like wrestling with that thing And like setting it up or whatever I need something that's going to be easy And then I don't have I feel like I don't have enough space to like Oh I'm going to powder down the counter And I'm sitting there rolling stuff out And you know I have the utensils
1: for it But I'm like This shit is too much effort Uh huh. It's not There's no other way of saying that (laughs) It's just not It's not Here's the thing In every single day of your life, you are faced with all sorts of options to do stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And if you want to do it, you do it.
0: This is true. Right. If he wants to return the text, he will return the text. And if he
1: doesn't want to return the text, then he won't return the text. (laughs) He won't. And that's bread is that dude that you met on Tinder. Do you want to bake bread, sis? Then you bake it. (laughs) It's really, it comes down to that because that was very much my feeling of just kind of like, oh my God, who is this person who gets up and bakes bread? And it turns out it's me, I'm bitches. It's me, bitches be getting up at 6 (laughs) a.m. to bake bread. I'm bitches, I'm doing that shit. (laughs) And it's because it gives me a sort of pleasure that is completely unrelated to any other kind of pleasure in my life. Like this is not reliant on anybody except me. And when I'm done, I eat My pleasure, which sounds (laughs) horrific. (laughs) No, it doesn't. (laughs) But that's the thing, though, because this
0: is something that's strictly for you, because everything else is kind of like, I mean, obviously that you're watching television or movies or whatever that are for pleasure. But sometimes there's still that part of your brain
1: that's like, hmm, should I write about this? Who wrote about this? Whatever. Right. What are the opinions about this? How should I think about this? What am I feeling about this? And can I parlay this into a thing that I do in my other job? And oh, my God, I'm writing this TV pilot. Wait, that's incredibly similar to my idea. Oh, shit. And I have to start again. Like you can't turn it all the way off. I think if you are somebody who makes pop culture as well as consumes it. There's no way for you to turn that off. There simply isn't. I don't care what anyone says. Like anyone can say that whole thing of like, no, you can just enjoy Just turn your brain off. Lies. You can't. Your brain is on. It doesn't go off unless you're, you know, in a state of (laughs) unconsciousness. And even then, sometimes you're still processing that shit even when you are asleep. Yes. (laughs) It is a weird sort of proclamation that people make like, no, you can just, no, you can't. It's impossible. Bread. Not only do I get up and bake this thing, I eat all of it. And then I do it again. There's something about the wholesale. It's a perfect circle. I wake up. I mix the stuff. I cover it. It rises. It does its thing. I let it rest. I heat up the oven. I get the Dutch oven out. I put it in the thing. I get it out. I let the bread rest. I can hear it crackling while it's cooling. And then I slice it up. Sometimes I put it in a bread bin. Sometimes I put it straight into the freezer. Sliced, of course, so I can, you know, get my toast however I want to. And then once that loaf is done, I make another. And the cycle starts again. And that's the other thing as well. I haven't really expanded to other things. I'm not out here trying to make bagels. I'm here for bread. I'm bread alone. (laughs) I'm very much a one (laughs) bread lady. I know what I love. I know what I have time for. And I know what I want to get good at. And it's bread. I want to be able to kind of look at four ingredients, right? Water, flour, salt, and yeast. And know that I can make something that is delicious. And edible, and it's something that I've made with my own hands, even though I'm relying on things like fast acting yeast and whatever. But in reality, the four ingredients, me and just space, is all I need. And in terms of what you were saying about counter space, my old apartment, I don't know if you remember, has literally just the one little counter bit and it's crowded. There's my toaster, there's my kettle, there's like chopping boards on it. (laughs) And when it was time to like dust down and kind of roll out stuff or whatever, I just moved them, <laughs> wiped it down, it's and I did smart And then when it was done, I put my kettle back. That was me delivering you some subtle shade, Nicole. <laughs> I moved them, and then I moved them back, and by the end of it, I had a delicious loaf. So, no, I'm not going to let you get away with it. Like, there's no space. Uh, <laughs> fine, fine, fine. <laughs> but like he thought you were slick she was like oh what do I do what's a lady to do in New York (laughs) she moves the kettle bro she moves the kettle that's all she does (laughs) oh
0: man no but it is I don't want to have to play fucking Tetris in my kitchen in order to I get that cook so I do feel like if I were to get to a point where I had a kitchen and there was plenty of space, I had a little island or something like that in my kitchen. I do think that I would be more willing to experiment and make my own pizza and make bread. I don't know if I could do sourdough because again, I don't have the patience. Like I
1: hear you. You know,
0: our good friend Sandy, yes. they make excellent sourdough bread. Incredible. Like it's so good. And I have housed it for them a couple of times and I've had to deal with like the discard and all that kind of stuff and then putting a little bit back on and when I'm doing that I'm thinking who was the person that realized this is what
1: you had to do to make sourdough it's remarkable like what is the thought process and I will tell you this as well like I made one sourdough loaf and it was the saddest looking loaf you've ever seen in your life I <laughs> ate it it felt like as I was eating I was like it's like eating a brick like I it went down my stomach and then it just sat there and I was like This is going to present some digestive tract problems later on, but we'll let future BIM deal with that. I just ate a lot of kale that day. I was like, fuck this. Um, (laughs) TMI, I apologize. But the thing about the discard is it's a world of recipes, like a world of recipes. And I did so much stuff with the sourdough discard Mm -hmm. that was not baking per se, but it was using the stuff for the baking. I made crumpets, I made like little chips, I made like pancakes, I made like little pikelets. And so in a way, I was like, you know, it almost doesn't matter that I'm not making the sourdough bread, because the stuff from the discount, I got incredible, and I'm not even exaggerating. There is photographic evidence. People have tasted these crumpets. I remember your crumpets. I remember seeing the pictures of your crumpets. They look like shop bought. I was like, wait, am I a crumpet savant? Is this my calling? Them, the bakers, might live yet. Like, what the hell? I remember toasting it. I sent a photo to my sister. She's like, oh, where do you buy crumpets in uh, New York? And I was like, I made them. And she was like, what? These look like they're from the shop. And I was like, what she said in particular was, she said, these look like the ones you get at M&S, which is Marks and Spencer. And I could have wept. I wanted to reach through the phone and just like kiss her. I was like, "How, how did you know that was the best compliment you could give these crumpets? So like, that's the thing I do enjoy about this. It's like, I started off, like I said, wanting to master sourdough bread. That didn't work out. I learned how to use the discard to make stuff. And then I also learned that there were all these other things where I don't need to knead for 20 minutes. I don't need to sit and watch the bread like it's my child. And I don't even need the equipment of like a stand mixer. So when I read recipes and they're like, just use the hook accessory to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, "Mm, never had one. I'm too broke (laughs) for that shit. I don't own a KitchenAid just gleaming on my kitchen counter. (laughs) So everything I do is on my tiny little counter, well, my old apartment, my tiny little counter space and just my hands and a dish towel and parchment paper and a very, very basic. I use like a, a Lodge cast iron pot, so not licorice, nothing fancy. And it just gets it done every single time. And the pleasure, the absolute pleasure of baking bread, genuinely. And I never thought I would be this basic. But each loaf is better than the last. And it's the same <laughs> ingredients. It's the same amount of water. It's the same salt. It's the same yeast. It's the same flour. I use different brands. That's the other thing. I'm not precious about the flour because people will say, you can only use King Arthur. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my God, are you using gold medal? That's like the blah, blah, blah of flour. And I'm like, interesting. The bread is delicious regardless. <laughs> So what is it you're talking about, bro? Like, I'm sure, I'm sure the real connoisseurs are kind of like, well, you can taste the aeration and blah, 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 and the protein content. And like, this has a high, sure. I'm sure some of them have a higher glycemic index or whatever the fuck. All I know is when I slice the bread and you can hear it, I bought like a really nice Mercer bread knife. I bought it specifically so I could slice my little homemade loaves. (laughs) Literally. And when the knife goes through it, and you can hear it kind of do that... Yeah, crunch all the way through and they're like your countertop is littered with like crumbs which I don't even discard I lick my finger and I pick them up because I'm a dirty dirty dog and then I eat all of them <laughs> bit by bit and it's delicious and then I wrap it in my little plastic I put it into like the little freezer ziploc bag I zip it up I put it in the freezer and then the next morning you know you make your coffee or your tea mm-hmm. you just go to the freezer you pull it out two slices minimum you get an avocado that you brought out the night before so it's not too cold you slice that up put a bit of onion salt some lime juice some sesame seeds some chili flakes because I like a bit of punch mash them together enough that the avocado still has like you know texture to it so it's not like a creamy mush Mm -hmm. and you put that onto the bread before you do that though you put a bit of just enough not too much bit of butter you can also use vegan butter delicious earth balance top notch you get into all the little nooks and crannies, right? Because the bread, that's the good thing about all the bread. It has all these little pockets. Yeah. And they just collect butter. So you put some butter, not too much. And then you spoon your avocado mix on top. If you like, if you're fancy, sprinkle some feta on top. Mm. If you don't like a little bit of lime juice on top, mm-hmm. put that shit in your mouth. And I'm telling you, top three things you will put in your mouth at any given time. <laughs> In the day, in the month, in the year. And the best part of that is that bread, you made it. I can't describe the feeling of accomplishment. I'm like, bitch, do you know when Abraham did this shit? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, what? And now I put like an avocado from Mexico on top, bitch. Don't even talk. I literally walk around like I am a gangster. I'm like, do you understand what I just did? I took four discreet ingredients. And now I'm eating a crunchy slice of bread. Bitch, when will you join me on my level? It's amazing. So for the sense of well-being, untouchable, bread baking. Yeah, I love
0: that. You have made avocado toast one of the most sensual experiences of my life. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> make you some.
0: Please do. I am waiting for
1: my loaf. Please. I would like a loaf of Bim's bread. Literally, I will make you a loaf because you asked about this and I was like, she's serious because I will. I will- You don't have to encourage me to make you a loaf of bread. I will do so. Do you have a bread bin? You can slice it and put it in the freezer. It doesn't matter. I don't, but I have a cake thing. So maybe I'll just stick that, it in my... That'll do. That'll do, friend. Just from brown paper, put it in there. I promise you the pleasure of it is... That's another key part of it. Like I went into this because, like I said, I want to eat bread. But there's something about, it's a bone deep pleasure. Like my soul, I can feel it glowing a bit brighter when I make the bread.
0: I love the metaphor of this whole experience of you went in to do one task, found that it was not satisfactory, but you took the skills that you learned and went into a different direction that was still like, What you set out to do, but in a different way, you know, and you were still able to use the mistakes from that first little journey and still create something from that. So there's like this whole beautiful allegory in bread Uh. making
1: Thank you. I'm glad you say that because, you know, I listened to a previous episode where you said this thing that I found to be so true for me, which is if I'm not good at something immediately, I'm like, oh, fuck that. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) Immediately, I'm kind of like, this is hard. I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm a child in that regard. I feel like a baby. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, this is hard. I don't. (sighs) I was told it'd be easy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't want to have to do this. So when the sourdough kept frustrating me, and this is over a period of like several weeks, it wasn't like a one and done. I tried at least three different starters, at least three. And that takes time to build up. So we're talking about maybe a couple of months, maybe even longer of disappointment. I'm feeling so sad about it in like a a way that was surprising. I'm like, dude, it's just bread. And like, literally, again, you can buy this. Like the first time I couldn't do it, I went straight to Trader Joe's and I bought like a really nice sourdough loaf. And I came back and I ate like four slices of it, just angrily glaring at the mess (laughs) on my counter. Like, look what you could be, you bitch. Look what you could be. (laughs) <laughs> and it wouldn't make it wouldn't do so like I felt really kind of frustrated in a way that burned me and I was surprised by it because I was like fam it's just bread what are you doing but I got so het up maybe that's why the sour starter didn't want
0: to do his thing because it saw how angry you were eating its final form
1: <laughs> It was like fuck this maybe, I'm not gonna maybe be the second and the third starter had that the first one has no excuse like I came to that with an open heart I was like, hey, let's be friends. And the starter said, if we're friends, I kill you. And it was just kind of like, (laughs) you have so little to do. All you have to do is get the yeast in the air. Like you're on top of the fridge. Your life is aimless. You're just here to form the thing that you normally form. And somehow that's a problem when I'm involved. Like, who sent you? Why are you trying (laughs) to demean my sense of self? I really felt attacked by this sourdough starter. Like, I I felt... And I felt so angry. It felt to me like every imbecile in Brooklyn was making sourdough. And I was like, I could be an imbecile. Help me out. Like why can't I join the ranks of the sourdough fuckers? Like, I want to be in this club. (laughs) And the club would not admit me. So I was like, fine. I don't even want to be part of your mangy club. So I went and I made my basic ass bread. And yeah, the pleasure of it, the accomplishment of it, this bread to me feels like, it feels like something that belongs to a very specific part of me, which is the part that wants to, make something and see the result of it. Like many people, I was talking about this with my sister recently, if you came up and you didn't have a lot of money, you tend to think about how you spend your money and what that looks like. So I often think about spending money on a trip is always very difficult for me on an experience because I'm kind of like, you can't even touch it Mm -hmm. (laughs) when it's done. Like you spend however much money on this thing and what it's an idea, the fuck? Like, yeah. Every time I have to buy a flight home, I'm like, I guess. <laughs> it's like, well, how else are you going to get? Are going to swim the ocean? I'm like, oh, I'm not going to swim it. But like, I want to touch the thing more. Like for this, I want to be in the cockpit for this amount of money. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? I'm just sitting in some chair, like cramped up, my knees in my chest. Like, it doesn't feel good. But this, it takes so little. Flour is relatively so cheap. Salt is in every home. Yeast is superbly cheap. The water is right there. Out of that, you have four days worth of breakfast. Right.
0: And a couple of years ago, you you investigated some survivalists and you were you were (laughs) like out in the wild preparing how to like shoot turkeys and all of that. (sighs) So with that knowledge and now this knowledge of baking bread, do you feel like you could
1: survive the zombie apocalypse? Absolutely not. I would die in the pre-credit sequence so damn quick. I would be like a face in the crowd. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't even catch my name. It was that bit, oh, it's too late, she's gone. Like, I'd be gone. I'd be gone. I have no skills. Let's be very fucking clear on this. I'm a journalist. Come on. What am I going to do? Write you a paragraph about the apocalypse? Come on. <laughs> do you know what I mean? However... Yes. If I had been perhaps in a coma at the time of the apocalypse, and then I had somehow awoken, and they were like, "Damn, this community is thriving. We have flour, we have salt, we have yeast, we have water. Ah, oh, if only someone could make some bread." I'd be like, uh, "Excuse me, bitches, that's me." And then I would make the bread, and if people were like, "Oh my god, how do you do this?" I'm like, "Well, I read this blog post," and you know. This is very much just the thing of I bake it, I eat it, I feel pleasure, I feel full. And it's full in terms of like my stomach is full, but my soul is full, which is a very cheesy way of saying that there is no extra motive for this. I'm not doing this with an eye to entering a competition. If I end up making a radio piece about this, it won't be because. Right. Oh, I tried to make bread for six weeks and blah, blah, blah. It'll be because it's a natural exuberance for the thing that I'm doing. And that's how I think about it. I am exuberant about bread my feelings for it are so big and lifelong like this is one of the things that has been a constant in my life since I could munch food and the chance to make it is um yeah I feel I feel very happy whenever I'm baking or eating bread these are my two happiest states. <laughs>
0: Them. It is time for our indulgences, the things that we can enjoy without guilt, for the pure pleasure of it. What do you have for us today?
1: I went over this five million times in my brain and I couldn't think of anything that would have a traditional association of guilt, mostly because I'm very boring. <laughs> <laughs> and also because. You know, as we said a lot on Thursday Kit, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. Right. Yeah. When I couldn't land on anything that gave me a feeling of guilt. And then I thought, okay, what's my secret shame? And it's a shame in something that is so boring. It is the pastime of a 55 year old man who has never been able to make friends. (laughs) But that's the thing I love to do. And I've just rediscovered it in a big way. And that is jigsaws. Ah yes. Uh-huh. So it's not quite guilt, but I want to urge people to do a thousand-piece jigsaw if they can. Three thousand pieces. The smaller and more ridiculous. If it's gradient, something difficult and challenging, and something that you cannot do while doing something else. Right? Like right. If you are putting together a jigsaw, you are not also able to be typing. An essay. You need your brain in its most minute little ways to be looking very, very hard at one image and trying to remake that image from an assortment of many, many other pieces. And for me, jigsaws are a sort of real life turn your brain off, feel no shame about the fact that you are basically sitting here looking at an image and then trying to remake that image. Like it's the most pointless thing in the world. It's like, so what's the point of this? Oh, nothing. Once you're done, what do you do? You break it up and you try again. It's like, huh? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense, but I promise you, there's one in particular that I, I really enjoy doing and it's a Kellogg's uh, Frosted Flakes. <laughs> Even saying it, I, I know how I sound. It's a Kellogg's Frosted Flakes jigsaw and it's all the vintage mm, mm-hmm, fonts mm-hmm. and Tony the Tigers over the years. And putting it together was one of the most frustrating. It took me like a week and a half. (laughs) And by the end of it, I honestly, I wanted to high five myself, which again, talking about nerdy, terrible reactions. That was one of them. But I took a photo of it and I posted it like it was like a thing that I should be proud of. (laughs) You should be. A few people replied. They're like, well done. And I was like, You as if I just completed like writing the Iliad. It was just ridiculous, (laughs) but I was like, "Thank you, yeah." No, people often talk about the Sistine Chapel. I just want people to really think about this jigsaw that I just completed. I think they're on the same level. Yeah, you can call me. You can call me Michelangelo. I did that shit. I did it. I felt so proud of myself. And then afterwards, you know, you're lying in bed, eyes wide in the dark, like the fuck. But I felt such joy at the completion of that that I thought to myself, "You are not allowed to feel bad about." this very, very, very nerdy thing that you enjoy doing, because you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to just have a thing that isn't for anybody except you. Mm -hmm. And if you feel a little bit weird about it, realize that what you've done is internalize people's feelings about this thing, (laughs) but it's not the thing that you feel. And that's okay. And if you ask me if there was a second thing that I could do without shame or guilt it would be sleeping. I can't recommend it highly enough. I just want to put that on the table yes. as a secondary option. Everybody should be napping more. It would help a lot. So many bad opinions on Twitter. Imagine if you took a nap instead. Ooh. That's how I want you to think about it. Just take a nap. Take a nap. It's yes. good for you.
0: Yes. Yes. Every hot take you want to put out there. Just go to sleep. Just take a nap. That's
1: it. Put it in your <laughs> fist and then just put that fist under your head and then drift off. And by the time you wake up, your fist has unfurled, and this terrible, stupid thought has gone away. Just and also you're rested.
0: Yes, I'm here for sleep. I'm here for the jigsaw puzzle. I did uh, at the start of the pandemic. I was trying to get into puzzles, which I did enjoy. I got this puzzle. It was a bunch of vintage erotic pulp fiction covers that's the most nicole thing you've ever said i know it's just i am a parody <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, of jigsaws, myself
1: i love that so <laughs> it's like naked ero- yeah. <laughs> erotic erotic yes classic nicole she's like let me let me put my own spin on it yeah classic. Yes. i love that and it was fine and then
0: i got my cat and i just did not have a place where i could keep the puzzle out without her like batting at it and all this kind of stuff um sure. and so i just I finished it and put it away and I didn't buy any more. But I do want to buy one of those gradient ones because I like the challenge of the gradient pieces. You know, just like I'm just looking at two or three colors and I'm just going to put that together.
1: It makes your brain work a little bit
0: harder. Yeah. All right. So, Bim, you talked about jigsaw puzzles and sleep. Yes. Okay. I don't necessarily have a cute little name for this, but (laughs) and it's it probably is bad. But I am going to recommend just a nice little gossipy Google into, you know, some kind of harmless celebrity gossip that, you know, Mm. it's not about anybody being mistreated, you know, or abused or anything. It's just like, huh, why did they break up? Or, huh, (laughs) did they really date? And my example of that (laughs) is the... Canadian ice dancing team, Tessa Virtue and Scott Moore. Nicole. Now, I am late to this because I don't follow ice dancing and ice skating or anything like that beyond the Olympics, you know. And when I'm watching it, I am fascinated. It is mesmerizing. It's a beautiful sport. I completely see why people are, you know, enamored with it. But this ice dancing pair... They were together. They retired after the 2018 Olympics, I believe. At that point, they have been partners for 20 years, over 20 years, since their childhood, right? Right. They have some of the most sensual routines I have ever seen. Like, their faces, they, honey, they are acting, okay? They acting. <laughs> Capital A. <laughs> And one of the things that I've noticed, and again, I am not an expert. Like I said, I just, I don't really follow the sport. But what I've noticed is that a lot of times when in these pairings, the man is just there to lift the woman up and throw her down the ice (laughs) ring, Right. Just like. Wow.
1: That is so beautifully (laughs) reductive. I love it. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to reduce their skill.
0: Sure. you always end up watching the woman because her attire is a little flashier, right? And you know, she is done up in a particular kind of way and you know, she exposes more flesh, which is usually what happens in any kind of sport, right? Where the right. the woman is Oof. much more exposed than the man Look is. At this political broadcast. <laughs> yes. But in the case of Tessa and Scott, you look at him almost as much as you look at her because he is he is making these faces like, I love you. You are the best thing that I have ever seen. Oh, my God. He puts his nose into her neck. He puts his nose into her armpit. He is like cradling her head. When they do this little routines where they're like separated, but they're spinning at the same speed and velocity and grace and all of that shit. Again, you're watching him as much as you're watching her. Like, they are really just, like, this really beautiful, beautiful pair, clearly deserving of all of their awards and accolades and all that kind of stuff. But then it's just like, y'all got to be fucking.
1: Some point, (laughs) at some point. (laughs) I'm not saying right now, but at some point, you did it. At some point,
0: because they were from early childhood maybe like seven or eight years old or something like that so then they're going through adolescence together and I'm somebody had to be like what if we just kissed like
1: right let's just see what happens human to me right I mean, Nicole I too am fascinated by this pair in particular because like you said there is so much emotion in their skates like they are out there and they make you believe whatever Because story- that's the thing you always hear. People are like, oh, you know, the storytelling and blah. And I'm like, what well, storytelling? They went out there to do the fucking things that are going to get them the points. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. some of these people are just like, they, they do the work like they're machines. They're like, all right, triple axle, whatever the fuck. All right, double salco, whatever. They do it. <laughs> they land it. They get their 10 out of 10, whatever. And then these two are two of the very few pairs that you watch and you think, oh, I get it. There's a narrative. They're telling a story. They're doing this thing. And I'm following along. And it is wordless. And suddenly I think I get opera. What is this? And you (sighs) feel feelings. And it's because of the emoting. That guy, Scott, loves to act. I'm like, after you finish dancing, you people should be in the movies. Like, what is the... Win some Junos. You motherfuckers should be in Canada (laughs) making movies. Like the world and its whole cousin goes to Canada to make movies. You're there, guys. Make movies. He's so good at, like you said, the emotion of whatever his character is in any given dance. And she is fantastic. Like she is just, like you said, your eyes drawn to her. But of course, your eyes drawn to him. And there's something about the ease of their chemistry. Yes. It doesn't look like they're working at it. It looks like one person is the extension of the other. And a part of me is kind of like, of course, you can form these bonds. Of course, you can without any kind of sexual connection. Yes, But the most fanciful, romantic, horny part of me is just kind of like, Please tell me you guys did it and continue to do it. I really love doing it because that shit looks like it translates onto the ice. I'm not saying you should take your clothes off. But if you did, I feel like most of us would be like, okay, that's (laughs) what they do now. Because they are so, they generate so much chemistry that I'm just kind of like, what is it like inside your brain?
0: Yes, so much chemistry and not just, okay they're doing their regular, like, ice dancing moves, whatever, that we kind of see traditionally. And then the next thing you know, this woman is straddling his face and, like, doing yes. some, like, flip... In the, and I'm like, oh! Oh! <laughs> now you are talking Nicole's language. What's Literally. going on? Like, what? I do just see
1: you poking up on the sofa, like, wait, what? <laughs> that is so your speed. Oh, my
0: God. It, girl, then... <laughs> Okay, so I was watching all their, like, routines, you know, particularly, like, after they got to adulthood. Because I was like, I don't care about you when you were like, little. But once they got you to adulthood... You don't like teen content no, in any No, I, <laughs> I really don't. I do not want to watch children at not all. For <laughs> and so there was, like, one routine, and she was coming off of an injury. Mm. And she kind of fumbled a little bit at the start. And they did this, like, move where they separated, and he was, like, moving down the ring. And she was clearly like, I can't finish. And so he looks back at her... And she just shakes her head and then she moves off. They have this wordless communication that obviously I'm sure plenty of pairs and people have where they work together. But they didn't even say words to each other. But he knew that she needed a little like, like something needed to happen. They needed a break. But okay, so then I was looking at interviews and things off the ice. He was, whew, and I, okay, let me just say, I know that they were tired of people making this accusation and asking, and, and I respect that. That's their privacy. They need to have it. But baby, what? I would look at, he, he was so possessive. He did not like anybody walking up on her. You know, they win their awards. And of course, she's like in, in number one, the number one spot, the top of the little like podium. And I'm looking at the other teammates, Right. Now, when the man would go to, like, bring the woman down, she's, like, stepping down naturally herself. But Tessa is like, no, help me. And she reaches out her arms, like, oh, I'm so, you know, pitiful. Pick me up. And he does. He makes sure that she does not touch the ground. Girl, I was like, nah, something's going on here. And then Scott got engaged to a woman that he has known for a very long time as well. And obviously, again, his private life is his private life. And he did not really want to expose that because as someone who has been in the you know, limelight for a very long time, he wants to keep what's his, his. I understand sure. that. I love that. But the two of them, Scott and Tessa, were talking about that. And it was just so awkward. It was like the
1: tension was... Mm, it was, It's so... Mm. The thing is, it must be very difficult to be in a platonic pair. Mm-hmm. Where your chemistry zings. Like it feels like if you touch the screen, they'd be static. Yes. And it must be difficult also for the partner Right. or the partners, plural, of both of them who were kind of like, I have eyes, don't I? I can see. And if I can't see, I can fucking read mm-hmm. some of the stuff people are saying because, so this is the thing. I don't believe in shipping real people. It is odd and weird. And if I do it, I do it in the privacy of my own home or my friend's podcast, obviously. But <laughs> it's like. I know how icky it can be and how icky it gets very, very quickly Mm -hmm. because suddenly it's kind of like casting all sorts of aspersions on people's behavior and blah, blah, blah. But the simple pleasure when, like you said, the indulgence of going deep into a rabbit hole Mm -hmm. and emerging cleansed slash even (laughs) dirtier than when you went in because now you've absorbed all this nonsense from the internet. But you come out the other side and you're like, I know both too much and too little. And also I can never confirm anything that I feel right and I love that that to me is, is the joy of it where you're just kind of like this was an entirely fruitless two hours yes that I just spent in this hole <laughs> and now I've come out of it I've accomplished nothing my pile of work is still sitting there on the desk I could have done that <laughs> but instead I took something and I made my heart feel good and that's how I feel about some of my favorite pairs and fucking Scott and Tessa every time I see them without fail Every single time I think about them, I think to myself, just very quietly, and I don't admit it to people at all, I just think to myself, oh, I bet they did it. <laughs> That's <Yes>. my thought. <laughs> I love that they won all these awards, they're amazing athletes, they've got the Olympics and the whatever, but at the core, like I said, the lizard brain, horny part of my head is kind of like, oh, man, I, I hope they did do it. I hope <laughs> they had a lot of fun doing it. Because that shit, it looks like it must have been amazing. They're so in tune that you just think to yourself like, Man, imagine how that connection would translate. I bet it's amazing. Girl. I think it's great when they do it. Girl. <laughs> and then you feel like a 19-year-old perv. But that is who I am at my core. I want to believe everybody's doing it and having a great time while they do it. Yes. I'm a child. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> I just love a nice little harmless celebrity gossip deep dive.
1: <laughs> I love how fired up you are by that. Yes.
0: <laughs> Bim, thank you so much for joining me. It's been so nice to be like reunited on the mic with you. This is a pleasure to sit (laughs) and talk with you. Thank you. Tell us where we can find you online.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Bimadew, that's B-I-M-A-D-E-W, even though I'm not currently tweeting because it's Ramadan and I'm trying to be holy and the internet is full of filth. And you can also find my work at thisamericanlife.org because I'm a producer at This American Life.
0: Yes, you are. The episodes on Delights, Uh, what is it, the title again? The Book of Delights. The Book of Delights, yes. That was beautiful. It was
1: incredible. Thank you. I was very happy to work on that. I'm very proud of that episode. You should be. It was awesome. (laughs) Thanks, Mom.
0: (laughs) This is Good For You is hosted by me, Nicole Perkins, and produced by Multitude. Our lead producer is Eric Silver. Our editor is Brandon Grugel. And our executive producers are Amanda McLaughlin and me. Our theme was created by Don Will, and our art is by Jessica E. Boyd. You can follow the show at This Is Good Pod, and you can follow me at Tennessee Whiskey Woman. That's T N, whiskey with an E, woman. And a huge, huge thank you to everyone who supports the show on Patreon, especially to our supporting producer level patrons, Chelsea, Conchetta, Courtney, and Elizabeth. To get exclusive rewards like stickers, monthly playlists curated by me, and even custom travels written just for you, join us for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash thisisgoodpod. This was good for me. Was it good
1: for you?